Welcome to the Tier One Podcast, bringing you interviews with the brightest minds in the shooting industry. Get unique insights to help you shoot better, survive longer, and outperform your competition. Brought to you by Tier One, the world's best shooting accessories. Hey guys, thank you very much for joining us for this part two of our interview with Frank Galley on the Tier One Podcast. Um, I've already done Frank's intro on the previous episode, so you know who he is. If you haven't heard that, do listen to it and catch up to where we are. Um, there's a huge amount of information and quality stuff in there that, uh, that you can take away and apply to your own shooting. In this episode, we talk about a, f- a whole load of stuff, but including what's the most important part of your rifle setup for accuracy and precision. In other words, where should you pour your hard-earned money to, to eke that little bit more accuracy out of it? Um, the importance of dry firing. We also cover Frank's mantra, WTF, and that's literally what it is, WTF. Um, it doesn't mean quite what you think, though, so keep listening to understand that a bit better. Um, and then also what uh, the King of Two Mile competition is teaching us, um, things we can take away from that and uh, how we're gonna keep pushing those range boundaries and start shooting further and more accurately. So without any further ado, let's dive straight into part two of our interview with Frank Galley. So that's where I come from. I try to put context to things when people just throw out the generalizations. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You do get a lot of generalizers. I think you can go mad if you just follow threads, user discussions on the internet. Or, or... Well, because it lacks context. Yeah, and, exactly. And part of the thing is, is for I tell this to everybody, like even with win strategy, have mm. a plan and stick with it. Yeah. You know, don't try to change something like on a PRS type of deal. If you walk up, if, if you practice barricades, right? So you're going to do, you, you, you know, you're going to shoot a match. You know, you're going to shoot a barricade. Yeah. And then maybe somebody from the U.S. comes over to shoot one of your matches. And yeah. now you have, a, you have a plan in your head. I'm going to shoot the barricade like this because this is how I practiced. Well, now you see somebody in front of you from the U.S. and they do it completely different. Sure. And they clean it. Yeah. And now you go, nervous. wow. Uh, right, right. Now you go, wow, I never seen anybody do it like that. Mm-hmm. And he cleaned it. Mm. I'm going to try it. Yeah. Is that is that the time to try that? <laughs> well, under pressure, we <laughs> absolutely right for sure. Yeah, and, and, and these are the, the the missing tips and tricks. I mean, uh, like yeah. Kalen, and there's a there's a there's a little core element of us that says, and especially in the comp world now, um, guys want to know the tips and tricks before they know the trade. Yeah, for sure. It's like and, yeah. We've got, uh, there's another phrase like that kind of sums up the ethos of what you're saying there, which is like all the gear, no idea. Yes. Yeah. They're not working the fundamentals first. And and I'm a fan of gear, man. I'm, I'm a, I see that the, 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 the piece people don't understand about me is I'm a fan first. Mm. And that's why I have the longevity. That's why I have the passion. That's why I have the drive because I'm a fan. That's why my, my podcast has, you know, new episodes, every friggin' week yeah you love it right so i'm about the gear but i'm not about needlessly wasting your money on gear i'm not about buying a solution unless you know you need that tool um what what are the in your mind then in your experience what are the critical fundamentals that people should be working on 
you know, before they're going after the next shiny object? Um, it, well, it's, it's all the basics. They were, they translate to anything. And to go back to the essential gear, I will add, especially for, you know, on, on both sides of the house, a tripod has become the essential piece of gear. Now, if, okay. if, if I had to only, t- if they said you can have your rifle and one thing else, even if it was one thing meant a bipod too, if they yeah. said you can only have, you know, you got your rifle and scope, you got a box of ammo, you can yeah. pick one thing. It's yeah. a tripod. Really? Okay. Yeah. I would pick a tripod over a bipod if I had to make that choice. What, what's informing that decision for you? I could do anything with a tripod. Okay. There's nothing I can't do. Um, okay. I can walk from, uh, from, you know, I guess London to Scotland. Yeah. And if I had a firing solution every, you know, 10 miles, mm. the, the, in, including if I was standing in water, if I was in a swamp up to my chest, yeah, I can make a shot. Down. I can make a shot with a tripod. True. You know, so to me, it's an do everything well, especially the way the rifles are now. But the fundamentals don't change, man. You, you, you need like alternate positions when you're doing something off your belly, that natural point of aim, right? You yeah, need to yeah. line up straight. And we all know we're all shooting straighter now than we were. So natural point of aim is not muscling the rifle. It's, it's getting and it's putting everything in a straight line to eliminate angles. Sure. Well, then we're going we're gonna to aim, right? So our sight picture. So that, that we could, depending on the optic, the power, there's a little compromise you could play in there um, with the parallax, with the different things that we do and opening up eye boxes. But you, you, you got to aim and, and, and the bullet is going to go where the reticle is. If we zeroed our rifle correctly, the bullet goes where the reticle, right? Yeah. So we, we have to align that. Well, then, you know, people talk about the breathing side, right? So b- breathing is our life. We have to breathe. So yeah. You just want you want to keep breathing, and but you want it you want it to not influence the shot because it's going to move you. So yeah. you break at the bottom, collapse on your skeletal structure. If you think about an element of a good shooting position back in the day with a sling was bone support. Right. Well, if I'm at the bottom of my natural respiratory pause, I've collapsed on my skeletal structure. The two big balloons in my chest are no longer in yeah. the way. Yeah. I'm not bouncing on them. I'm now on my rib cage. Yeah. More support. Okay. So I get that. Now okay. the, the two the two biggest problems are trigger control and follow through. Sure. I have to nail my trigger control and follow through because thousands, all right. So 14 thousandths of an inch is 20 minutes at hundred yards. That's yeah. your bait, right? So the front of a front of a if you take a 20 minute base like a badger. Or I don't know who's another who's a brand of uh, rail that you guys put. Uh, well, we make our own rails. Yeah, we're twenty in it. Okay, isn't that about fourteen, about eleven to fourteen thousandths of an inch difference between the front and the back? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably right. I'd have to ask Craig, the designer, because <laughs> he he knows the text better than me. But yes, I'm sure. Subtract, sure you're right. Right. Subtract the front from the back. It's half of your bullet width. Right. Think about that. It's half your bullet width is 20 inches at 100 yards. So any movement, if you yeah. divide that by 20, now divide that, divide 10 thousandths of an inch by 20. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's one inch of error at 100 yards. Yeah. So that's why trigger control and follow through are so important. Absolutely. Okay? I mean, 
in, in life, right? You got to follow through. If you're yeah. going to do this, you don't want a half step. So these fundamentals mimic everyday life. Mm. And they're supposed to be subconscious, right? I don't nice. really want to think about them, but I need to execute them to the best of my ability. I need to know to, when I'm going to trade off an index, when I'm when one's compromised, what do I do with the rest? I, okay. I just ran I just ran 200 yards. I'm breathing really heavy now. Yeah. Yeah. What do I yeah. what do what do I do to fix that? You got to know these things. And so that's why fundamentals translate from handgun to carbine to precision rifle, ELR, PRS, you know, golf, baseball, football. Yeah. I mean, you guys get American football over there now. Right. Watch during a kickoff. Yeah. And they'll kick the ball into the end zone, right? They just did a 120-yard kick. Yeah. And the opposing team just lets the ball go past them, doesn't try to catch it. Okay. Well, the defenders are all running down after him. Well, when he lets the ball go, do they stop running or do they run till they touch the end zone? I haven't watched it. Do they do they run till they get to the they end zone? Run. Yes, they run till they hit the end zone. Right. Because you're not serious if you stop. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're right? saying. You're, yeah. You're not like so if 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 I don't know soccer enough to, to say, well, but if, I'll give you one in, in rugby. So I watch a lot of rugby and uh, just recently um it, <laughs> we I think it was even England who got caught out because you're supposed to play to the whistle, right? So even if you know that ball is offside or it's gone into touch, which means it's gone out beyond, you know, beyond the boundary of the field, you're supposed to keep playing and tackle the, the guy and defend. And they didn't. And the guy ran on and there was no whistle. Right. <laughs> um, it, it's exactly. That was it. Yes. Play through. And it's the same with, with, with shooting your precision rifle. You have to follow through. Yes. You have to go and make sure that you're executing these things and that yes. you're being consistent behind it. Um, and the, the rest, the rest will take care. It's, it's, it reduces the learning curve right? by, by executing, right? It's, it's not to say you can't get it. Our stuff is so good today. I can take a 26 pound, six millimeter, lay it on a bag with an eight ounce trigger and I will hit a target every single time because right. the rifle's doing all the work. It's so precise, yeah. Right, but what happens if you take that same guy and now you give him a hunting rifle with a four-pound trigger with a crazy recoil and all yeah. these other things and you say, now do it the same. Yeah, Well, they, very they, different. They can't, right. It's, it's, a dip, it's, it's, a, it's Porsche versus tractor trailer. Sure. I can get from point A to point B if I'm going to drive a big old Volvo tractor trailer or something over there. Yeah. And then I can get my little Mini Cooper or something and go zipping through traffic. I can't drive yeah. my Volvo truck the same way I'm going to drive that Mini Cooper. No, for real. But the fundamentals carry over across yeah. the disciplines. So that's my mindset behind this. I, I, I appreciate it. I learn it. I need to know it. But I need to know how to apply it. And I need to know the pros and cons of it. And I, I need to know 360 degrees of it, not just a quarter of it. I mean, you know. The, the, the old saying is knowing enough to be dangerous. There's a yeah. lot of that out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You, you see that in, in everything, not just shooting sports as well. You see it in, in everything. A little bit of information is a dangerous thing. <laughs> my, my favorite example is the guys who own a product 
and say, well, I own it. And like, you could tell they, they don't know how to shoot, but they own something. Uh-huh. And when, when they do that, I always post a picture of, you know, I find the first day with my Ferrari and I wrecked it. <laughs> you know, not, they, that wasn't they, you actually, was it? It's another. No, no, no. Yeah. But there, there's always a photograph yeah. on the internet. And the yeah. story is he bought a Ferrari and he wrecked it a mile from the dealer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Brace he owns a Ferrari. Yeah, that guy owns a Ferrari. <laughs> you know, he can go on the internet and tell everybody he owns a Ferrari, but he can't yeah. drive a Ferrari. For sure. <laughs> you know? For sure. But so, I mean, that's, uh, that's, it's like, it's great because it's common sense stuff, but it's not that common. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It is, um, it's, I think we all could do better to practice those fundamentals. And the crucial thing that I lifted out of that, as you said, it should be subconscious. And so many bad habits are subconscious. You know, you, you, you think you're doing everything right at the range. And I've watched you working with a, with a guy. And in fact, I think you're working on trigger control and you don't give him any instruction. You get him to take a few shots and you're taking notes. And it's like straight away, you can see the guy's, he's thinking about too many things all at once and he's 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 snapping the trigger instead of squeezing it and there's you know all these little things that should be ingrained and are not uh, well, and in fact it's the other way <laughs> yes and and i do in all my classes i do what's called the fundamental eval so right. you come to a, you come to a frank class and you you it doesn't matter who you are in my class you, you're all the same the first day yeah. well I do the safety brief. You come in, I introduce, hi, how you doing? Here we are, safety brief. This is our safety you know, protocols, make sure everything's good. Now go get your rifle and everything you need to shoot five rounds. Yeah. And I, cr I created a kind of 20 item checklist. Okay. And it's called a fundamental eval. And yeah. I used to do it just for me. I wrote it down and then would reference it in the class. And then I created the checklist to give to the student sort of like a prescription. Mm. And so they can look. I do it twice. I do one in the beginning and one at the end. And yeah. the, the beginning one is done before I've taught you anything. And right. what I'm doing is I'm nitpicking the hell out of your position. Yeah. And, and so it's twofold because I don't know why this happens. It's an American thing mostly, but it happens all the time. You get a guy who signs up for a thousand dollar class. He shows up and he's got his arms crossed before you even start yeah. and, he's, and he's got an attitude and he's like, you know, yeah. why are you teaching me this class? <laughs> and, and why so, have you paid for it? <laughs> yes. So there's an ego to it. Yeah. Well, when I put you down with no instruction and on command, I say to you, okay, shoot five round group. And now yeah. I'm, I'm one foot away from you with a pen and paper and before you even shot i'm scribbling furiously yeah yes that gets in your head oh for sure and and so then you know that strips away the ego yeah and it allows me to teach a class yeah it's very then, hum very humbling isn't it i guess well we we in, in our pr2 we actually call it the humbler right um, in that one, I do the same thing, but I do an unknown distance thing where I make you come up to a blind stage and I say, there's a red target out there, find it range and engage it. You got two minutes. 
Oh, okay. And and we call that the humbler because hardly anybody hits it. But um, yeah. the, the the fundamental eval then lets you go. And now I teach the class. And and the first thing I do is I go through those fundamentals. Yeah. And those fundamentals take me about an hour to an hour and a half of instruction. Right. But you got your prescription, your checklist. And yeah. so I can go and say, Harry, you tapped the trigger. You didn't follow through. And yeah. you were holding your breath like this because I've just seen it. Yeah. And now we, after that's done and we go back to the 100-yard range, now we strip everything away from you. Okay, we're going to move your scope if you need it moved. If you're canted off to the side of your, if you were a little green army man with your leg up and you're shooting yeah, sideways, sure. we, fix, we fix you. So now if I bring you straight, I got to move your scope. Yeah. So Do you have everyone all, flat with the feet flat? And... Everything. We were making clones, man. Every, if you yeah. look at like the pictures from Alaska, right. everybody looks identical on the line. It doesn't matter what you're shooting. Now, we will put guys on a bench. If you're older, got physical limitations, Sure. We have ways of managing a bench that are different than okay. for other people. We don't shoot cutout benches. We shoot square benches. Okay. Um, we get straight behind it, and we use it like the prone. We push ourselves forward on it. We lay our chest on it. We want both elbows on the bench, okay. and we want you straight and square. And we've even designed a bench, and we put sort of a bipod block on it, um, and we square them off. And for like older gentlemen, um, we can even have a guy standing behind that bench in that position and they'll shoot every bit as good as everybody else, yeah. um, you know, standing up on the bench. Uh, it just depends on their physical limitations. But I'm not yeah. opposed, you know, to students, I'm not opposed to shooting in the condition they're used to. So yeah. if your range doesn't let you go prone and you have no plans on going prone, why sure. would I teach you prone? If you yeah, don't want, sure. it's not going to be useful. Right. So we'll let you do a bench in my classes if, if we have that ability, um, depending on where they're located. But, um, you know, my range has a bench. The Alaska range has a bench, other ranges, but some don't. But some people just aren't physically meant to be prone. No, of course, there's a lot of variation in humans, isn't there? Um, yep. And, uh, you know, that's why you see bipods come in different heights, lengths, as extensions. And as you say, the tripod is infinitely adaptable. Well, that's, a, that's a pet peeve of mine is the bipods, is yeah. that you'll get a big guy who puts, gets, buys a 6 to 9 Harris and puts it on the lowest setting because he heard he has to get as low as possible. Yeah. Well, prone is as low as you can get. The only thing below prone is dead. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. so you, you adjust the bipod for your body type sure sure me's gonna be different than you so why would you artificially do something someone else told you it's it's your car when i teach a class i teach your rifle setup the bipod is like your car seats mirrors and steering wheel yeah makes a lot it, of sense yeah so if it, it when somebody says i got to be as low as possible and they put their bipod super low say they're six foot two 230 pounds yeah you know, why does that guy have a six to nine bipod on the lowest setting? That's the dumbest thing on the planet. Sure. So it's like winding your seat right forward. Right. Yeah. Right. So it, he gets in. He gets in my. I have a um a Touring, a Volkswagen, the diesel Touring there. I if, know it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. If that six foot tall guy gets in my Touring, his chest is going to be against the steering wheel because I'm only five foot nothing. Sure. Move the dang seat. 
<laughs> yeah, don't just you know, struggle through. Right. You, like when you buy a new car from the dealer, you, yeah. he hands you the car. You got to move the seats and the mirrors. Oh, then for we, sure. And then, then when you get home, you get all comfortable behind it. You get in the car. I don't know if you guys do, but I do. I get all mm. comfortable. I move all my mirrors. I fine tune it. I set the little one, two, three button. Yeah. You know, me, the girl, the valet, I'm doing all that. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm adjusting all that stuff. But I yeah. take. I take 15 minutes to set the seats in my car up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. And then normally uh, your wife mucks it all up for you. <laughs> it, well, that's my next point. If if you got in your car tomorrow mm. and last night your wife went to the store and didn't tell you and yeah. she moved and she moved the seat yeah. and then left it, you immediately know. Oh, Absolutely, it feels wrong. You have such a muscle memory with your car seat and your driving yes. position. Well, if you set your rifle up correctly, you'll have that same exact muscle memory. You'll be able to do all these things because you feel it, because right. you put the repetitions in. And this is where you were saying, you know, repetitions. Yeah. It's the bad habits, right? You need the 9,000 repetitions to fix a bad habit. Yeah. It's, it's 3,000 positive reps to build a new habit. And right. 9,000 to fix a bad one. Wow. Can you dry fire that? I mean, is it? Because obviously yeah. you're not. Yeah. Okay. Can. You absolutely. But you can't cheat it. You can't just lift the bolt and press the trigger. You yeah. have to do all 9,000 as if everyone was a real shot. Yeah. I mean, there's, if you look at the handgun world, there are Japanese competitors who can't shoot live rounds in Japan, who come to the U.S. and come to other countries to shoot competitions, who've only dry practiced right. and have won and done well. Wow. Wow. They're just, but they are very, not to stereotype, but they have a, 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 a culture of, of repetition until something is perfect uh, in their martial arts, at least. It's a martial art and exactly yeah. that. So what they're doing in a martial art is that they're doing dry, a martial art, the, um, it's, it's the kata, I think, right? I'm, I'm yeah, right. From, yeah. That's dry practice. The form. Yeah. Right. Your form. When you're going through the one, two, three, fours, you know, the hee ha yeah, you know, whatever yeah. the heck they call, you know, that's dry practice. Yeah. Your, your, your walk, crawl, you know, your crawl, walk, run. Yeah. Yep. And so that's, that's kind of where I come from with that, is that all these things are repeated in other sports. We're just not looking at it in the same way because we could buy it. Yeah, that's the thing with the gear, for sure. Yep. So I, I've got a couple of questions. Um, obviously, 6.5 and 6.5 Creedmoor is everywhere now. Um, it didn't used to be, it, but it is. I've heard you refer to it as as one of the wind cheaters. Mm -hmm. um, we have heard through the, or you know, it's probably good common knowledge that special forces units are trial trialing that round uh, in the states and here and, and elsewhere. Yep. Uh, what are your personal thoughts on all of the variations of the six point five, uh, and? Secondly to that, if you could pick only one gun and one caliber, what would it be? Would it be 6.5? Yeah. Um, yeah. Pro uh, I love 6.5. Yeah. And yeah, our military was doing 260 prior and I shot a lot of 260. 
Um, I I wish 260 was better supported, but the 65 Creed is money. I like it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm a big fan. It it in yes, like we can go back to 2015. Is uh, our guys were running the 65 variants even a little before that. So we we've been doing it for longer than we've advertised it. Yeah. Um. So if I only could pick the one gun, my 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 one gun, Holy Grail gun, is an AI. I'm I'm an I'm an AI fan. I'm good friends with Dave Walls over there and Tom and everybody and Alice and known them forever. Um, it, my one gun is an AI. There's no getting around it. Yeah. I probably, if it was a, if it was the apocalypse kind of deal, I'd probably do a 308 just because of numbers. But I will say, it, you know, as the world spins today, I'm going to do a 65. Yeah. I can go, I can go to the backwoods of Alaska. I can get 65 on the shelf. Really? Okay. Yeah. Even six Creedmoor is on the shelves in nowhere, Alaska. Right. Um, you know, Hornaday through Hornaday is the big one. They put that stuff everywhere. They're in every shelf out here. There's right. there's no Walmart um, gun shop that doesn't have it. So the, the the logistics have been solved. It's no longer an issue. Right. Um, you know, there is an argument for the one gun for me, although I don't. I don't like it, but I guess if I had to go, you know, if the world was going to explode and I thought I could get away with it, I'd rather do a 338. Yeah. But I'm smaller. It's not quite as practical. I'm going to be a little more sneakier. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to go down a little bit. But yeah, honestly, I think, I think, I think on the sniping side of the world, you know, the 338 is still, there's a lot of value to that. I know they're playing with the Normas and, uh, and the different cows and they're changing all that, trying to get out there. And, you know, they on paper at 1500 meters, the 338 Norma mag was better than the Lapua mag. And really? this mat, you know, yeah. it's like, ah, okay. It, yeah. I, it's still a good caliber sure. and, and it's going to do a lot. Um, but I'm still, I mean, I'm a 308 fan and, and still in a lot of ways, I grew up with it. The 6.5 yeah. variants are better. I, my first 260 I made in 2001. Um, it's a matter right. of fact, it's sitting right here. Um, right. My, yeah, it's my Gap Headhunter uh, was a rifle I spec from GA Precision. Is this 260? I like the 260. Um, I, you know, especially if you hand load for it. Right. The, the, the 260's money. The problem with the 260 was guys loading them long into the lands. And they and they and they grab the land and pull the bullet out, um, okay. which is what the six five corrected by making the case just that little tiny bit shorter. Right. You know. Is so. it is it got a steeper shoulder as well? Yeah, a little it, bit. Yeah. It's a little different. I mean, it's it's still a good design. Um, the Creedmoor. Uh, the the one I'm not a fan of that I know a lot of people love is it, it, it's the six five by forty seven. Okay. I know people love it. It's it's a good accurate cartridge, but it's 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 muzzle velocities down, and okay. it's just enough to be annoying. I think the six by forty seven is the better way of going with a forty seven case. Right. So I would I would leapfrog a six five by forty seven and go straight to a six by forty seven. Right. So but you'd so still pick the six point five. Yeah. It, yeah. 
a, a Creedmoor with a 130, 143, something like that. I'm a happy camper. I mean, honestly, if I could kind of like, if I could build it, I would say I want a, I want a 6.5 Creedmoor with a 136 grain Cinar, you know, or Skeener. Yeah. Well, how you guys want to say it there, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm American. We we mess things up, but uh, anyway, I would I I would like a 136 grain load in a yeah. six Creedmoor. That would be my my dream, kind of off the shelf, and then with my AI rifles, and then I want a suppressor on it or a moderator. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, moderator. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think suppressor sounds cool. A lot. I grew up with Hollywood films, so. <laughs> yeah yeah me too yeah, I, I want a can on it yeah yeah well there we go very good six five cream or 136 grain load brilliant um i have a second question um we, we sort of covered this a little bit but um back to the fundamentals for a minute other than the fundamentals you covered which are in regard to the shooter themselves what's the next biggest factor in ensuring consistency and accuracy like next to the ne taking the person away take the person away so we've we've you know assuming good trigger control assuming good breathing good habits and everything is nicely bedded in and that that part of it is fine what's the next biggest factor that to it to ensure consistency um the two things i look at are, are barrel and scope um okay you're your barrel is going to be your biggest factor in overall. And then, because I look at it two ways, precision and accuracy, right? So yeah. precision is the group size. And that's us in the fundamentals of marksmanship. Sure. Accuracy is hitting the target at distance and doing an X ring. Uh, you know, I got a 600 meter target. I want to get in the X. Well, yeah. you have to have your ability in, to interpret your data correctly to hit that X. Sure. That means your scope has to be correct to hit the X. So if I say I need, you know, 3.2 mils to hit that 600 and my scope's only giving me 3.0 or it's going to 3.4 okay. or some weird number, I'm yeah. not going to hit my X. Yeah. So, you know, um, precision comes from the fundamentals of our, our marksmanship. Accuracy comes from your ability to interpret data. Your rifle system has a bearing on both. Okay. You know, so bad ammo, good ammo, barrel, scope, all has that bearing. But to me, the two biggest factors are put your money in the barrel, put mm -hmm. your money in the scope, and then get a good trigger. And then after that, stocks are a personal preference. You know, make sure it's cleared and doing, like you said, correct. Um, nice. But, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a hunting stock, a chassis. If it's, yeah. a, if it's, if it's quality and, and done correctly, that's yeah. personal preference. That's. That's your red car, blue car, you know, yeah. that's pickup truck. But the other stuff is 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 going to be more important. Okay, very good. Excellent. Well, there we are. There's uh, money in the barrel, money in the scope. Makes a lot yeah. of sense. Um, so moving slightly on to, uh, you know, more, more kind of um, – more about you and, and your personal interests and, and, and what you've done in the industry. You're obviously a really high profile character and, and Sniper's Hide is a huge website. You have a lot of influence. Uh, and you've talked about um, in, in one of your articles, your passion for getting young shooters into the sport and how important that is. Um, what, a couple of questions, I guess. What's the best way to do that in your opinion? 
Um, and do you think enough is being done about that to really build the, the industry for the future? Um, no, not enough's being done, but what is being done is usually really good. Um, mm -hmm. the, you know, those, those, those incidents you do hear about the, um, the Mary Beth Olsons and, and, you know, the different people who, who become, uh, you know, public about it. Th those are great success stories, but number one is don't overgun them. Right. Uh, less is better with kids to start them out. You don't have to give them, you know, I, when I grew up, it used to be funny to give somebody the biggest gun they, they can <laughs> not, not handle and watch them fall down. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do For that. Sure. You know, it's, 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 yeah. it, it may be funny to throw your kid in the water and let them sink or swim with the <laughs> firearm. Uh, not as much. So yeah, sure. I, I like, I like starting them with the 22s. I think they should be better leagues. The league should be more focused on kids in a way. I yeah. like the, 20, the 22 stuff is fantastic. Um, I like suppressors for kids. Okay. Um, moderator, suppress them, you know, whatever you have to do because the sound is our biggest issue. Okay. Yeah. The noise, um, you know, even consider double airing some of the kids to start out with. I could tell you I'm deaf as a stump on half really? my head, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, so double ear them. But that helps manage recoil with people is to keep the sound down. Um, then patience, right? But don't – kids are quick. Kids will move up fast. So don't shortchange a kid's learning. Yeah. Just be patient with them and understand their size, the weights, and what you're putting in their hand. Yeah. You know, um, recognize that part of it. But don't – don't limit it. Don't be like, you know, oh, my kid's only going to shoot a hundred meter. Yeah. Put them to a grand. Yeah. You know, let them go out there and experience it. The more experience they give them, the better. Put them in alternate positions. Kids are bendy. They won't yeah. break. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, but get them, get them with the fun. You know, you don't want to give them the bad habits. The sooner you can get them with the fundamentals, the better you're off you're going to be. So you're not breaking bad habits down the down the road, which is why I like the 22 stuff, because it's not so recoil intensive. Yeah. Re recoil is what creates our bad habits. Really? And, and, and so, you know, that's our flinch factors. That's that's yeah. our brain trying to be defensive. The, our uh -huh. brain does not like the idea of a controlled explosion three inches in front of our nose. <laughs> why ever? <laughs> Yeah, why not? <laughs> right. Why wouldn't it? You know, it's like, wait yeah. a minute. You, you don't like a bang is going off there. So yeah. you have to do things to kind of let the brain know it's okay. Yeah. And the sooner you can do that, the better off you are because that's what creates the bad habits. But yeah. um, I think the 22s should be, I mean, there's people who ask me about creating series and matches and different things. Yeah. And, and, and lately my advice is, well, why wouldn't you do a 22 first? Sure. And create because the average range in the U.S. I don't know about you guys, is 200 yards. Right. Okay. A, a 200 yard competition for a 22 yeah. is is great. I mm. know my Voodoo 22. My 200 yard data is the same as my 65 Creed more at a thousand. Really. It's identical. Wind and everything. Really. It's almost the same wind hold. You know what I mean? It's yeah, scalable. Yeah. Like the fin accuracy guys have the 22 scalable stuff over right. there. But you, they have programs that scale the data. Right. Okay. And, and we'll well, it's another great way to teach the fundamentals then. Yes. Um, and if you're learning them young, 
I mean, it's like it's like learning any skill. If you start young enough, you've got far more chance of mastering it. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense as well about silencing the rifle. Uh, I yeah. fired 22s when I was younger because um, we were very lucky. My school had a, had a 22 range at the, hidden away somewhere, you know, in the bushes, um, like a throwback to World War Two, I'm sure. And mm-hmm. uh, and we were in there banging away, banging away, but it was loud, you know, and it was like an echoey room. Um, and uh, it never occurred to me, but you're you're absolutely right. There is like a natural flinch. And, and then you brace the next one and then it's bang and it's loud. And you sort of, I guess that puts a lot of people off. Um, yeah, it does. The sound is our, is our biggest deal. So you, if you can mitigate the sound a little bit, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll create a better shooter. Yeah. yeah. And which is why the dry fire works because you're not influenced by recoil. Right. You've got to have a bit more patience to dry fire though. I think <laughs> a bit more maturity, right? <laughs> well, do, do a 40 round dry fire. Just do sure. 40 perfect rounds. Yeah. So, I mean, even they have the training aids now where you could put the, 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 um, the sign up. I just talked to the one guy that Jeremy Swanee and Swanee's there in the U S they sell the, um, the dry fire kits that has a poster board with targets on it. Then yeah. you put the, the, um, the step down on the caps, the scope cap with the reducer. Right. And, and you can focus your precision rifle scope at 11 feet. Wow. And then you can focus in on target, an image, a picture of a target, you know, uh, range, hmm. and you could practice. Oh wow! And it's um, yeah, it's uh, S W A N N Y Swannies, and he sells yeah. them. Yeah. Very good. We'll have to speak to. Actually, I think um, Chaz introduced us to Swanee as well. Uh, there which you is go. Cool. Yeah, we'll have to, yeah, we'll get him on. We've covered obviously the fundamentals. We've covered. There's one little thing we haven't covered, right? Maybe we could do this in 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 like overview because I've seen this in your videos a lot, which is your WTF approach. So we're skipping back a little bit in the podcast because we we sort of covered this in the beginning. Could you cover that for anybody sure. who's listening who hasn't heard it before? Yeah, my 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 mantra for shooting a precision rifle is WTF. Okay. And, and this is this is all it takes to shoot a target at long range. Okay, the W is the wind. Because, like, for me, even when I'm driving out to the range, we have a lot of wind out here. I'm out west in, in Colorado. Yeah. Um, it, we have rain, uh, wind flags on our highways. Right. Because um, the wind will knock tractor trailers over. Right. And so um, you'll always read, not so much Colorado, but Monta- or Wyoming, right over the border. Mm. You'll always see there'll be a windstorm comes through and six tractor trailers were knocked over in one gust. Oh, wow. And so wind is my number one, right? Wind is the great equalizer. It's all about the wind. Yeah. So W is number one. It's the first thing you think about. As soon as you're walking out to the range, I'm looking at the wind. So that's one. Then T is your target what is the trajectory the range right the wind what is it what are you going to do are you going to hold you're going to dial then you got the the target your range so what are you going to do to engage that you're going to hold you're going to dial okay so the wind is six miles an hour okay cool and we go and and we'll get into it in another podcast but it's uh, you know i know i have a six mile an hour gun with a six five creed so i got a six mile an hour gun a six mile an hour gun at 600 yards means it's six tenths of a mil. So I'm right. good. Yeah. Done. 
So I got that. Then elevation, target. So the T, target. It's it's a 600-yard target. Okay, I need 3.2 mils to hit that target. Good. Got that. Well, then the F is the fundamentals of marksmanship. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's the checklist you put through your head. It's basically in that order. In that order. And, I, and I put the wind first because the wind is the wildcat. It's something you should think about the most. If you have a ballistic computer and you trued it, if you know you're dope because you shot it before, yeah. your, your, your elevation is a given. Yeah. You already know what your elevation is. You just have to match the numbers up, right? Yeah. 600 to 6. Yeah. Okay, that's 3.2 for me, you know? Well, wind is the wildcat. What's the wind doing? It's yeah. gusting, it's changing, it's doing that. So I have to put more thought into the wind. Then, yeah. the, 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 in order to do that, I have a plan. Okay, my wind call is, is, is put in my brain. I got a wind call. I know my elevation of target is 3.2 mils, so I'm holding on the target with my wind call. Now, it should be that subconscious, no mind. I, I talk Tom Cruise all the time, Last Samurai. Yeah. No Very mind. So. Right. No mind. The fundamentals of marksmanship. So now I'm going to get in there. I practiced. I dry fire. I don't have to overthink them because they're ingrained. Yeah. So now I can just focus on putting the reticle on the target where it needs to be, watching my bullet to the target. I'm driving the rifle through recoil. I'm following that bullet through the scope to the target. In my mind's eye, I'm picturing the trajectory. Okay. And I'm looking for it and I find it. So then I follow it to the target and I either hit and I'm good or I missed and I have to make a follow up. If I missed, I want to see where I splashed on the reticle. I just want to slide the scope over to that point. Okay. Uh, you know, I held 0.6 mil, but I hit at the one mil mark or actually probably, probably be more than that. But I hit at the 1.2 mil mark is wow. the win. So now I just slide the 1.2 into the middle of the target and send the following round. It should be three to five seconds is your honeymoon. Right. Okay. I got three to five seconds to make that correction. Right. I have to be on my game to do it in three to five seconds, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so that's, that's why. Um, so I'm not cluttering my mind. I'm WTF. What's the yeah. wind? What am I going to do about it? What's the target distance or trajectory? And then fundamentals. And that three to five seconds, that's because the wind is going to change, right? Or, or something yeah. else, some other factor is going to shift. Yeah, you shot and you missed the guy and he heard the crack and he went, what was that? And now he knows. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> you know, it's going to take about three to five seconds for it to register. He just got shot at. Gotcha. Right. Yes, yes. You know, so let's slide the reticle over and send a follow-up shot. Yeah, you know, yeah. or if it's that high a priority and yeah. me and you are working as a team, yeah. I could say, Harry, I got 0.6 mil on. OK, Frank, I'm on my you, instead of you getting a spotting scope, let's yeah. give you a rifle. rifle. Yeah. And then I go, all right, I'm 0.6. I fire, but I need that 1.2. Well, yeah. you see it and see it's 1.2. You slide your reticle over and just shoot. Before yeah. I, I've even run the bolt, that next round went downrange. Now I have talking rifles and not yeah. a spotter shooter dialogue. Right. If it's That's, that big of a, if it's that important, maybe yeah. I need two rifles on the target. That's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. I, well, because there's two of us. Why do I got to take the, why am I taking a rifle out of my buddy's hand and giving him a spotting scope? For sure. Yeah, for give, sure. Give well, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's got a 25 power scope. I'm not going to be spotting over 25 anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about 
getting that target. Yeah, you know. So but... how, how, I mean, Rangers, like, like sh we're shooting look further and further and further and getting more and more accurate. And obviously all the equipment is being developed and refined so that we can get more accurate those long distances. And like, it's become almost like the norm to shoot at a thousand yards. And then, then it will be the norm to shoot at 2000 and so on. Are you um, updating your own? Are you pushing your limits like that? Are you trying to reach out further or are you refining within that space? How are you personally developing? Um, oh, we're going farther. I'm going yeah. farther. And my, my range, my private range that I use here in Colorado is I have targets every 100 yards to a mile. Okay. And I could back up to 28. Yeah. Um, we, it's a bucket list for people to shoot a mile now. Yeah. So um, my main range, the main part of it that's in front of you goes to 1425. Okay. So we work to shoot everybody to that distance. Really? Um, if the range doesn't have the ability to go beyond a thousand, of course, then we work within that low, yeah. uh, that, that space. But I shoot, um, I shoot a mile all the time, it, you know, and like at the end of my class, I do like a one hour open shoot where I let you yep. shoot any target on my range. And if your gun's capable, including a six, five Creed yeah. at, in Colorado, a six, five Creed will hit a mile. No problem. Really? Okay. Yeah, we're 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 twenty about twenty mils, twenty mils to a mile on my range. Um, will usually get you pretty darn close. Mm. Uh, anywhere from eighteen to twenty one, depending on the rifle. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we can get you guys in the ballpark. But I have um, yeah, ELRs, ELRs to me, there's there's two elements of ELR. One, it, it's all about the bullet. The, the yeah. bullet really really matters in how you push it. Yeah. Um, to the scope again, cause you got to reach it. Yeah. You know, now the, the problem I see is that guys make these really ridiculous looking rifles yeah, um, yeah. and then they can't get any fundamentals behind them where your fundamentals should be more important in ELR. Um, yeah. and like I go to King of two mile. I was going to say, I, I don't shoot it. Um, yeah. I, I film it cause yeah. I, it, it always conflicts with my schedule right. and I'm not particularly a big fan of the format, Yeah. Uh, but I go to, to, to be part of that. And I see people I know and talk, you know, and I want to yeah. be there. But, um, if you watch the majority of people shoot, yeah, they're the, the shooter is so far out of whack. It's a, it's a miracle sure. that they could do anything. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll give you a great example. I watched the guy and I'm filming him and it was the, he had been to every King of two mile right? and he self makes everything. The calibers, even his own wildcat. Super wow, nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Super nice guy. Very low budget. Um, you know, kind of yeah. a one man, one man guy, you know? Yeah. Well, last year, he, or the last year I went, um, I didn't go last year because it conflicted with my tra my travels. Um, he made it to the finale. To the he was one of the final ten shooters. Cool. <laughs> and his fundamentals were so bad. I watched <laughs> I watched him pulling the rifle over every shot. He was canting the rifle because his bipod was loose, and oh, he was wow. and he was using some things. And I wanted to tell him, but I couldn't. It wasn't my place to go up and speak to him. 
Yeah. And I'm watching them, and the guys are calling them like, you need more wind. You need more wind. It's like, no, yeah. you, need to take, you need to take the cant out of your rifle because you as, as you pull the, as you run the bolt with a lot of these, especially if you've got any kind of resistance on the bolt, yeah. if your bipod is loose, you pull the rifle over. Yeah, yeah. And it takes a little while for people to notice it. Yeah. And so this is what happens. So to me, I think that you have to look at the, the fundamental setup of how you build that rifle to create a platform that's either going to be the F-class kind of ones that you see with the really wide bipods yeah. and the really light triggers, but then the taco units on the front, the Charlie Tarek unit, so yeah. you can get your cheek weld. I mean, yeah. you see a ton of people shooting King of Two Mile with their cheek not even touching the rifle because they can't. Yeah, because it's such a... And some of the rifles, like you said before, they look insane. <laughs> um, I saw some guy had like a, an integrated or, or like monolithic silencer type setup where the silencer was like this huge long tube, like a drainage pipe, all the way back to the to the um, where you where the cheek should be. You know, where, yeah. Um, I mean, but it, it was just like an apparatus. They, they do. It's an engineering endeavor. Yeah. In a way, you know what I mean? It's 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 as close to bench rest as you can get a person kind of behind the rifle, but it is doing so much more because think about this. They're they're usually in a king of two mile situation here. What I've noticed is they're pretty consistent to twenty five hundred. Right. Even though they shoot farther, where where does the consistency fall? Well, the consistency falls off at twenty five hundred meter. Right. Well, that's making everything inside 2500 that much more capable of being hit. Of course. So if we push out to 4000, well yeah. then 2500 is going to then become 28. Yeah, sure. And when they push the 5, 28 is going to be 32. Yeah. Is that but informing I, is is the research they're doing there and the discoveries they're making is that informing, you know, ballistics research elsewhere? Are people picking up on that and learning from what yes. they're doing. Right. Yes, totally. And that's, and that's the benefit of that, which I agree with. But my problem is from a marksmanship standpoint, it's terrible example. Right. And, and, and you'll get guys go, well, you know, look at this guy, he's doing everything fundamentally wrong, but he won. It's like, yeah, yeah but that's not a great example. You know, that's mm -hmm. the exception, not the rule. That's yeah. because he, you know, you're launching a, a, a you know, a 400 grain bullet at 3,000 feet per second. Yeah, eventually, everything's going to get hit, but it doesn't. It's not. It's not being hit in yeah. a way I would hold up as an example of what to do. No, no, absolutely. Well, apart from anything else, you can't move around with those giant guns. It's not like you're mobile, um, you know, and you can go and. Well, uh, sniping is crew served. I mean, if you think about it, it, it mm. is a crew served endeavor, especially when you get into the into the bigger calibers. True. You're shooting, you're shooting a crew served weapon. True. Uh, yes. Yeah, not far from artillery, really, is it? Right. Uh, a 50 cal is a crew served weapon. Mm. An, a machine gun is a crew served weapon. You know, if you're going into these bigger calibers, you know, you're you're engaged in a crew served in endeavor. Yeah. And so that's why I think we should be changing sort of the the, the fundamental way of doing that like honestly with elr uh I, like the one example i gave i would be creating a mount 
like um Kdex has like a, a a 50 cal an M2 mount. Okay. And then they have like the solo unit. I would be creating a mount to put my rifle in. Right. That was big, stupid and heavy probably. Mm. And then I would create an off-sighting system. If I if I want to shoot a, a rifle like ELR, I would probably create something slightly different, more of a solo mount. Um, right. You, you know, in a match, if they're going to limit you now, if it's military, uh, honestly, it, 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 to me, it's a beer bet. It's always been the people I've talked to who've always done it. It's it's a beer bet. Hey, I bet yeah. I can hit that guy, but you can't. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and if, there's no danger. If somebody's 2000 yards away from me, sure. not in any danger. No. And honestly, I have um, I have a uh, radio. Yeah. Hopefully I could use it, you know, and I'd much <laughs> rather. I, and it's, it's 10 times cooler to drop a bomb. Yeah, sure. Is, and watch like, that. Yeah. Right. But there is situations where maybe maybe somebody's being harassed. I, I, there are situations of harassing fire. And okay. now you can put harassing fire back on that person. Right. So knowing them, but your understanding and, and, and talking to a guy who did exactly that, as mm. soon as he started harassing that gunner, a gunner was a, a machine gunner, like a PKM was yep. shooting at a, at a village. Yeah. Off to the side within view of the PKM was a team. Right. Harassing fire shuts that gunner down. Yeah. But okay, that's cool. I didn't kill the guy or do anything like that, but I gave him harassing fire. Sure. It still works, but in 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 that context, I get it. But if I was going to be doing something like King of Two Mile ish, yeah, I would be trying to build something that was more offset. So even if I'm not going to be behind the rifle and I'm going to hold the rifle, I especially if they're going to let me use a thousand dollar rest, right? I would create a different system. Mm. Or have classes and say, here's a light gun class, here's a heavy gun class, here's an unlimited class where a guy yeah. can roll a car up. Yeah, yeah. I guess they're, they're pioneering, aren't they? Like, because they're reaching, literally reaching out to distances that are like, fair, you're fair new. It's almost like the Wild West. That's the vibe I get from it when I look at the difference. It's a bench rest model to me. It's more of a bench rest model than a tactical, practical model. Yeah. But, but, with like Eduardo, he wants the practical that comes out of it to build something for the military. Yeah. Well, that practical is going to be built in a 1500 meter package. Okay. And 1500 meter package will be plenty capable to 25. Right. In that harassing sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's so not going to be pinpoint right. accurate. The, the problem is, is you get guys selling to the military with what they're claiming is a 2000 meter solution yeah. that's not really practical. Like, you know, if you go back to them shooting the 308s at a mile, yeah. That was a selling point. And it's like, why would I take a 308 and turn it into a bad 9 millimeter? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And if you're if I'm selling you on the idea that your 308's going to do something to somebody at a mile, I'm the biggest liar on the planet. <laughs> if I'm being serious now, I can goof and say, hey, man, you can do it. You might get close and given enough time and opportunity, something might get hit, but you're going to hit it with the same. Right. You're going to hit it in a place you can't predict. 
yeah. with the same yeah. amount of force of a nine millimeter at a hundred yards. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. If, if you're calling it harassing fire, okay. Yeah, sure. If yeah. You're telling it's me you're nuke, right? It's not effective fire by any means. If you're trying to sell somebody that you can sell, you can give them effective fire with a 308 at a mile. They're yeah. lying. Yeah. Okay, now if you're going to tell them and say, listen, I'll show you how to give some harassing fire. And maybe, you know, yeah. you might distract them. And they... Right, but that's, yeah. that's, I have a problem with that. Do you think we'll be, we'll reach those further distances with accuracy, with, with different calibers? Is that where the innovation is going to come from? Yeah, I think 2000 is, is capable with, um, you know, a first round, I call in it. Yeah. I, I think we can take the three round mantra, you know, no more than three rounds at a target first round hit, you know, one shot, one kill. I think yeah. we'll be able to get it to 2000 meters with, yeah. with, it, with a, it's going to be something as big as a 50 cal. You know yeah. what I mean? We're probably yeah. going to have to fine tune the system a little bit, Yeah, but it's doable. Yeah. What is the record now? Do you know, I remember hearing a while ago, it was like two, two K's or just under two K. Just under two Ks. I've seen twenty three done with the three shots. Right. Um, David Tubbs' son-in-law did it. Um, beyond two thousand. Right. Um, I don't know where they currently stand because there's so many events that will give them a score. Yeah. I don't. I don't know where they are, but uh, the, I I do like the idea of the you know lay down. You got three shots. Wait four hours. You got three more. That's your try. That right. is smart. That yeah. is super. smart. Mm. So it's, it's, it's oh sorry sorry cut your Frank go on. yeah I was gonna say it's bullet technology man it's it's yeah the the the, 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 the decider in that is the bullet is the bullet yeah that's what I was uh, kind of asking there was exactly that yeah is it is it gonna come down to developments in the bullet because like like you said earlier like, a, a lot of technology you have a big war like World War Two suddenly loads of stuff gets developed. You know, yep. because it's it's essential. And then you have Vietnam, it loads of stuff gets developed. Um, and then it's like you get stuck with that stuff for a long time. And now you're seeing people like wildcatting rounds, you know, and someone's gonna come up with this is the sense I get, someone's gonna come up with a hugely efficient caliber at that range. We just don't know what it is yet, or maybe we do, but it needs a tweak or something and else. It's, it's just a tweak. I, I think it's gonna be between that three seven five and four sixteen. And, right. it, and it, it's going to get that casing tweak. It's probably going to be not so much, it, it, definitely with like a cutting edge or a flat line. It's yeah. going to be that. But then yeah. it's going to be a case tweak where they're yeah. going to either do David Tubb and straighten the case. Right. Or something like that, that, you know, like a tub system would mm. probably be the smart way to go because that's about as man portable as you're going to get. Yes, and yes. still, and still, because he's using you know that smaller bolt face, right? And so, if you did like a um a, a like a tub system in a step down AI fifty, yeah, you'd probably land on the right combination in some kind of three seven five four sixteen variant, right? Would you test that? Would you go and is that <laughs> are you tempted to test that? I, I'm a little busted right now on my shoulder, so the big guns really hurt me because I've kind of messed with my neck and shoulder. But yeah, oh, I would man. totally shoot that. But um, yeah. you know, it's it's definitely doable. I mean, it's exciting. It, it's like it really it, is. What it's gonna land? 
Yeah. So taking it then um, a step back and uh, or, or the way I generally like to wrap up these chats is um, to get an idea of your personal ethos. And the way we do that is we ask, what are your words to live by? I can't remember if I even prepped you about this before the call. <laughs> so oh, apologies. no, you did. That's a, that's a, that's a tough one. My words, <laughs> my, my, words to, my words to live by would be WTF. Yeah, cool. All the way across the board, though, like from like, <laughs> reading, like I think like to me, it'd be like the forget about it. If you ever watch the, you know, something like uh, um, uh, Donnie Brasco, where they yeah. ask about forget what about is forget. It. Forget about it. Forget about it could be everything, man. It could be it could be a little yeah. of this, a little of that. Yeah. Um, you know, forget about it could be good. Forget about it could be bad. To me, W WTF could be the good. WTF could be the bad. Yeah. So I'm 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 a I'm a WTF guy. Kind of like, well, what the hell did you do that for? Why the hell are you doing? You know, wow, that's yeah. really cool. Like, yeah. what the frig? That is excellent. You know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. Wind trajectory and the fundamentals of marksmanship. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's a mantra, man. It's gone in. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone into that my would be, head anyway. That would be my unfiltered, like, little cadence. That, that's what repeats in my head, WTF. Awesome. Awesome. And finally, I'm, this goes without saying, I'm sure, but where can people find you uh, online? If you hit you know, where you want them to find you, how can they find you and your, your website? Sure. It's us, uh, snipershide.com. And then I have the Everyday Sniper podcast. And also, I kind of didn't mention much, but I do have a book coming out on Amazon. If you put my name in or whatever there to Amazon, I have a precision rifle book with a little bit of history, kind of like this podcast. Um, but I have uh, this very of the book coming out uh, within the next 15, 30 days. I think the Kindle's even in pre-order. Um, but if you go on Amazon and put in Frank Galley, my, yeah. my, my book will come right up. What is it called? Uh, precision marksmanship and long range shooting for the Marine sniper, something like that. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's over there. I can't read it from this far. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Well, I'll put all those links in the notes. And, um, if the, if the book is visible on Amazon, we'll link it. Yeah. I, on Amazon. I think it's practical marksmanship. Practical. practical. Yeah. I'm a practical guy. You've been listening to the Tier 1 Podcast, brought to you by Tier 1, makers of the world's finest rifle accessories. Find out more at tier-1-usa.com and tune in for more great insights on the next episode.